Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the Speaking Club podcast. I was in Turkey last week. I didn't have any problems speaking Turkish. It was just that the Turkish had trouble understanding it. Welcome to the Speaking Club podcast, because making them laugh is the secret sauce to your speaking, pitching, and business success. And now your host, Sarah Archer. Hey, I hope you're doing well. This week's going well for me. The move that was on and off and on and off is back on again. So I'm moving house, hopefully before Christmas. Fingers crossed. Now, before I get into the podcast today, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Emma Roberts, who left a review for The Speaking Club on iTunes, which was awesome of her. And she said, I feel I should weave a story and a joke into my review, but I'm simply going to say thank you, Sarah. I've been a Pilates teacher forever and a day and have wanted to up my game and offer corporate posture and well-being workshops for ages, but just didn't know how to get started. Your podcasts are so inspiring and informative. I've got my first workshop this coming Friday. I've grabbed the world by the... You know the rest. Thank you so much, Emma. Really appreciate it. And if you enjoy the show and you get value out of it, but haven't left a review yet, please do. It really makes a difference to me. I love uh, reading. And, I, you know, where if you think I can improve it, I'm happy to have that too. But it just makes a big difference to people finding the podcast on iTunes. And other people might be out there that would get some benefit from what I'm sharing and what my wonderful guests are sharing too. Anyway, let's crack on. So in this show, I'm going to be talking to you not only as speakers, but also as marketers of your message, which you are, if you hadn't picked up on that. This show came up because a couple of my students have raised similar questions with me about how long they should continue sharing the same message the same presentation. I have strong views on this and I think there are some fundamental marketing principles that come into play when you're considering this question as a public speaker. The students that asked about this were potentially going to be making a big mistake and I don't want you to fall into the same trap too. Let me tell you a bit more about what happened. So the first thing was one of my students was on a coaching call, on a group coaching call, and she said that she'd been out doing some speaking on podcasts as a guest and she was going to wind it up because she'd done a few of them, less than a handful, and she felt that she was overdoing it and people were going to get bored of her message. And I was like, trust me, you that is way too early to stop talking about your message and, and you need to carry on. And I'm going to tell you why in a little bit. That was the first thing. The second thing was I was at a conference with a student of mine and she was telling me how she changes her presentation for each conference because she wants to keep it new and fresh. I told her what I'm going to share with you now and I hope that that will demonstrate why I think you shouldn't change things up too quickly. Okay, so let me tell you about Category Kings. Category Kings are the number one brand in a particular market category. They're the best known. They are the ones with the biggest market share and everyone else is playing catch up to them. And there's a reason why they became number one. And it is pertinent to this issue and to you becoming 
a really desirable in-demand speaker because there's lessons that we can learn from these category kings in business and apply them to us as speakers. So the first category king I want to talk to you about is Clarence Birdseye. Now, if you don't know Clarence Birdseye, you, I'm sure you'll probably you'll have heard of Birdseye Frozen Foods. So he was the fella that started up the whole frozen foods thing. He was working for a government organization and doing some research out uh, in these sort of Arctic areas. It was freezing cold and he was watching the fishermen flash freeze the fish when they got them. And they did that because it preserved the fish and kept all the nutrients in. And he thought to himself, wow, we could do that with other stuff. So he came back to the US and he tried to get this off the ground. Actually, what he found was that there was no infrastructure for it. So he basically had to create the whole thing. But what he had to do, first of all, was educate the market about the problem. And the problem was that tinned food wasn't as fresh as if you got whatever it was, the vegetables or fruit, and froze it at the point it was harvested. So that was the problem. So he kept on banging on about this and educated the market. And as you know, today we've got freezers and means of transporting frozen goods that didn't exist before Clarence Burzai became the evangelized about the problem and became the category king. Another category king I want to tell you about is Elon Musk. Now, Elon Musk, as you know, has developed the Tesla car and, and also SpaceX. But when he had the Tesla car uh, sort of IP, there was, again, that he didn't have any infrastructure for it. So he became known as the sort of evangelist for electric cars. But what he had to do was to give away all his IP to his competition because he knew that without charging points and so on, he wouldn't have a business. So he became the sort of the category king of electric cars because he defined the problem first and he obviously had the solution which he gave to everyone. But they do say that if you are the, pr the first one to become known for the problem, basically you have twice as much market share as the second and then twice as much again as the third best known brand. So everyone else to Clarence Birdseye and to Elon Musk are playing catch up with their products or services. Now, the big part of their success was the way that they were able to define the problem. So obviously Elon Musk was talking about saving the planet, electric cars, and becoming energy efficient and so on. And Clarence Birdseye, as I've said, was talking about the superiority of frozen food over canned food. You may have heard of Uber. They evangelized the problem of taxis not being around when you need them. And they set their mission to have transportation that's as reliable as running water. But first, Travis Kalanick had to articulate the problem before he could sell his solution. 
you know, and making people aware that, that taxes weren't there when they needed them and so on. And they had a story about that because him and his business partner that founded Uber tried to hail a cab when they were away, I think in Paris, and they couldn't get a cab for love nor money. They were stuck out in the cold in the snow. And so they used that story to uh, tell people about the issue. Defining the problem is a massive part of getting people to buy into your solution. It's so critical, in fact, that there is a well-known investment fund uh, company called The Bullpen operating in Silicon Valley. And when startups come to them, one of the first questions they ask, which is kind of like a make or break question, is can you explain the problem you solve as if I was a five-year-old? And that is where we've got to get to as speakers in our presentations when we are articulating the problem. Because once the public, once your audience understands the problem, they can latch onto the most popular solution, which is hopefully you. Whoever articulates the problem best wins. So I want you to understand that this is a big part of how you become a thought leader. And that's when you get speaking gigs. That's when you get you know, interview requests when you become a thought leader. You've got to keep on banging the drum so that people know you for that niche, for solving that problem. And and then they ask you to come and speak, to talk about it and talk about your solution and so on. Let me give you another example from business. Now, you may have heard of a software as a service company called Salesforce. Well, the founder of that company is a guy called Mark Benioff. And back in the 1990s, We didn't have cloud software. Software was installed on companies' own platforms. And there was a big software company called Siebel at the time. And they brought in this CRM software, you know, software to automate sales activity. And the issue that Mark Benioff identified was that this software was expensive and complex to install on your own systems. And he'd discovered that you could have software on a central server and people could access that through the internet. And he set his mission to end software. And in 1999, he started to condition to educate the market about the problem. Before he ever talked about his solution, his cloud software, software as a service, he evangelized the problem. When he talked to reporters, he talked about the problem. He held... um, end of software parties. He held protests about software, like he actually got a license and had a a protest about it. And he he became anti-Siebel. He positioned himself as anti-Siebel. He set himself and his company up as the rebel. And so he long evangelized uh, the problem. And eventually when they got the public caught hold of this. And unfortunately, Siebel said they were going to start looking at this. As soon as Siebel had sort of said they were going to look at it, they lost the sort of battle. And Mark Benioff and his company Salesforce became the category king of software as a service that replaced that traditional enterprise software that was installed on people's own hardware. And he's actually the creator of the term platform as a service. So you have to focus on the problem. I know I'm banging on about this, but that's because it is so important. Soon as you get known for that, then people come to you for the solution. 
And so how do you do that? How do you, 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 you know, part of it is defining the problem so simply that a five-year-old could understand it. And then it's evangelizing the problem. And that means getting out there. Now, you only have to look at authors. Often speakers are authors as well. And they will bring out a book and they will, you know, that, they, that book will solve a problem, an urgent and big problem that they've identified. And they will talk about that problem and then eventually about their solution. And they'll have talks on that problem and that, that book. And they'll keep on, they'll do the rounds. They'll do podcast interviews promoting the book. And they'll become known for that. Now, you, they well, may have other books, but they'll focus on that. Like I had Professor Richard, Richard Wiseman on the show. And he's got 10 books. And I think he does talks about the 10 books. But he's known for those things. And he certainly promotes, as a new book comes out, he promotes that. And he'll probably be doing that talk for, you know, a year before he maybe circles back and almost does it to death. You only have to look at Hollywood studios when they bring out a film. They are going around, camp, you know, building the pressure, building the campaign until people know about that film. They've got the trailer and so on. So in terms of you as a speaker, I don't think you should be changing up your presentation until you get known for the problem that you solve. And trust me, you know, we think we're overdoing it, but we're not because you might talk on one podcast and you'll reach an audience and then you'll talk somewhere else and reach a different audience. Most of the time, the people don't hear what you're saying. And sometimes it takes hearing it multiple times for the message to land. And so, for instance, if you are talking to an industry and you're worried about repeating yourself, you know, doing a conference in one country and then going to a different country, you're probably going to have a different audience. And often people just think about singers we like to hear the same songs over again and we you know that message is going to land people have to hear it multiple times so get out there and start evangelizing and articulating the problem that you solve and become known for that and you know do whether that's if you're just starting off as a speaker get doing free talks about it you know become synonymous with that problem when you, when people think of that problem they need to be thinking about you and that's where the niching down comes in as well. You know, often it's difficult to talk about a broad topic and say something new, but that's where the niching down comes as well. So let me tell you, you will get sick of it long before your audience does. We've got lessons to learn from business, from marketing, from these category kings. Now, a lot of this stuff I learned uh, from a great book called Play Bigger. I'll put a link in the show notes to it. And it's a great one for you to, to read to sort of find out more about category kings. And a lot of it, you know, just transpose it into speaking. A lot of it applies. Okay, so actions and takeaways for this episode. One, make sure you have absolute clarity on the problem that you are solving. And that forms the heart, you know, there's part of the kernel message for your talk. I spend a lot of time in the uh, program, the story-led speaking program with my students and coaching with my students to define that problem in a way that a five-year-old can understand, which is the second thing. Make sure it's easy to understand. And this is a great place to use metaphors and analogies, especially if it's something a little bit complex so that people can relate to it using something else that they know. And funnily enough, this week on my other podcast, Story-Led Marketing, I've done a whole episode on metaphors, analogies, similes, and hyperbole that you'll find very useful in this area. 
So go over to Story Lab Marketing. You'll find it on iTunes or you'll find episodes at storylebmarketing.com. Okay, so the next thing is to create a compelling story about the problem. If you have a story around it, it may be your origin story, you know, why you found out that this was an issue and what you did as a result. And go out there and evangelize the problem with that story. Talk about it on social media, on blogs, on podcasts and videos. And of course, in your speaking, create a niche for yourself and dominate it. And keep on long after you think you should stop. Trust me, if you are the number one name on people's lips for the problem, you'll be the first one they consult for the solution. Hopefully you've got that message now. I've evangelized about that message all the way through this podcast. So that's it from me. Go out there and kick ass with those problems and articulate them and evangelize them. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the show and aren't subscribed, then do it because I've got some great shows coming up. And if you could take a couple of minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes, that would be brilliant. And if you have a talk coming up or you are looking to improve your speaking, although the StoryLed Speaking program is closed at the moment, you can still register to get on the waiting list at storyledspeaking.com. And I suggest you do that. There's some great stuff in that course too. And that's it from me. Have a fantastic week. And don't forget to go and grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Speaking Club podcast at www.saraharcher.co.uk.